0: Good evening everybody, happy Wednesday, happy, uh, happy, happy evening, it's not, it's not Sunday morning, it's Wednesday evening. Um, how's everybody doing? It's good to see you here tonight. Uh, Pastor Phil texted me at uh, about 5.40 p.m. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind preaching, I, I, you know, I love being, being able to say yes to God and answer the call, but uh, I also like time to prepare, <laughs> time to know what I'm getting into, you know. Imagine if, uh, as a young person, you, you were trying to get your driver's license and they didn't tell you what day your driving test was going to be. You just didn't know, and then you woke up one Saturday, and you're like, oh, it's today. We, we called your number. You have to come in and take it right now. Well, you might be a little little unprepared. Um, my usual process, I like, to, I like to pray, spend a couple of days asking God to give me a message. Uh, I like to spend some time in the Word. I like to make a rough draft of a message, some handwritten notes. And then the next day, I throw out the rough draft, and I make the final draft. Well, I didn't have time to do any of that, so uh, today uh, we're going to have a message either directly from God or no message at all, so um, I just pray that tonight can be a blessing to you, so grab your Bibles. I didn't have time to write down notes, but I did have time to grab my Bible, amen, and if I have my Bible, I think I can do okay, so we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes tonight. Uh, We've been going through Proverbs on Wednesday nights, and I figured in the spirit of that, uh, we'll take a, a little break as Pastor Phil's healing up and we'll go through Ecclesiastes, not the whole thing, uh, but we're going to be in chapter three. And the reason I like Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of reasons I like it. It's written by Solomon. It's one of three books written by Solomon. He wrote Proverbs, he wrote Ecclesiastes, he wrote Song of Solomon. Um, I don't think Ecclesiastes gets enough enough mens- mes- uh, mention, and I don't think it gets enough, I don't think it gets enough love in preaching as it as it deserves. Because uh, Ecclesiastes is fantastic. If, if you didn't know anything about the Bible and you just started reading Ecclesiastes, you probably wouldn't even know that you were reading the Bible because it's framed from a very different perspective than a lot of God's Word. But you have to read it as an entire book because Solomon goes from chapter 1 all the way to the end, which I believe is chapter 12, and he, he, it's one complete preaching message, amen? And we don't have time to go through the whole book, but chapter 3 has some of the best, uh, some of the best writing um, in, in all of God's word. So we're going to go through chapter three, verses one through eight. And uh, we're going to talk tonight. But this message is called a time to be redeemed. A time to be redeemed. So uh, before I read the, the word, let's pray. Let's do with that. Let's go with that order tonight. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for getting us safely here tonight. Thank you for looking down on us, Lord. Uh, thank you that we can read your word. Uh, thank you that we can come before you in prayer. Uh, thank you that you've given us this magnificent church building, Lord. And I thank you that you're you're able to see us as worthy stewards, Lord, to take care of it. And I just pray that over the years to come, Lord, that you would bless this church, uh, bless the people that come through these doors, Lord. May your word always be preached here. May your Holy Spirit stay in this place. May people get saved, get baptized, and grow up here in the church. And uh, may this place be a light and a beacon in this city, Lord. I just pray that you would deliver us a great message tonight straight from your word. Help us to uh, just hear something maybe that we've never heard before or to see it in a new light and uh, just... Help it to strengthen us, Lord, and to build up our faith and our testimony in you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Ecclesiastes chapter three. I'm going to read from verses one through eight. All right. To every thing there is a season and a time under every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Amen. That's uh, beautiful words there. There's, there's a lot of popular culture that has taken this passage of the Bible and used it. Um, there's a movie that's named after one of these verses here. There's a, a song from the birds back in the 60s that's actually <laughs> a good chunk of this here. But these, these words... What's beautiful about this section of scripture is it's written much like Proverbs and that is it's written in two parts. Every verse or every part of the verse has two opposites that it's using to compare. And why I think that's so meaningful, you, you, you gotta understand who's writing this. This is not just some guy on the street who you know, picked up a pen and started writing down God's word. Now this is King Solomon. The wisest man that ever lived wrote these words. And if the wisest man that ever lived wrote these words, we should pay very, very close, careful attention to them. But each section is polar opposites. You know, and he goes through thing after thing. It's a whole lot like life, isn't it? Isn't life a whole lot like two polar opposites? You got, you're you're born on this side, that's the beginning of your days on this earth. You got your death on that side, that's the end of your days on this earth. You got two places you can spend eternity. You can spend it in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can spend it in hell, forever separated from God. There's two ways you can live your life. You can try to be good and do the right thing. You can try to be evil and try to do the wrong thing. You know, sometimes people say these days, they like to say, oh, you know, you can't be so black and white. You know, there's gotta be a gray area. Listen, when I read my Bible, the more I read it, the more I say, no, there is no gray area. A lot of things are pretty darn black and white. Now, it may not explain every possible situation, but listen, you're, you're either walking with the Savior or you're not. I don't think there's a halfway. I really don't. What, what does that even look like? What, what, do you pray half the day and spend half, half the day in sin? Is that, <laughs> is that your gray area? It doesn't make sense to me. If you're gonna spend half your day in sin, I guarantee you, you're not spending half your day praying. <laughs> Amen, because if you spend half your day praying, You wouldn't have, the Lord would not let you sin for half your day. He would would keep you safe from that. He would protect you from that. But polar opposites and black and white, I think, need to be part of our life. And I think we need to look at life that way because God likes it simple. You know, if it's just black and white, honestly, that's pretty simple. I can look at this side. I can look at this side. I can make my decision. When you have the gray area and you start interjecting it with all these other choices, that's when you start, look at any religion out there that's false any works-based salvation. They're trying to get you to walk in that gray area, right? They'll tell you all the things that you need to do to get to heaven, none of them are true, but they can't tell you definitively how you get there. It's like, oh, the church will say, well, you just have to be a good person to get to heaven. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> how, how do you keep score of that? You can't. God made it very simple on purpose. There's a time to get saved, amen? But look at this. you know. You notice all the things that it says, a time to love, a time to hate, a time to be born, a time to die. You know what this doesn't say? You know, this gives us a whole lot of things that have multiple seasons, seasons of life, let's say. But there's some key things in here that it doesn't say, okay? It doesn't say that there's a time to pray and a time not to pray. Now, why do I bring that up? Because there's no time where you should consider not praying. We should stay incessant in prayer in every season of our life, whether we're up on the mountain, whether we're down on the valley, you need to pray either way. Whether you're celebrating success in life and joy and the birth of a new family member or a family member getting reborn in the Lord, amen, whether you're celebrating that or whether you're mourning the death of someone, you should be in prayer either way. Does God want you to talk to him when you're happy? Yeah. Does God want you to talk to him when you're sad? Yeah. So Solomon didn't put in here that there's a time to pray and there's a time not to pray because there's always time to pray. You know what else isn't in here? It doesn't say that there's a time to read your Bible and a time not to read your Bible. You know why it says that or why it doesn't say that? (laughs) Because there's never a reason that you shouldn't read your Bible, amen? This is God's word. One One of the greatest things I ever started doing, and I don't know, you know, I've been saved most of my life, but I never even thought about this. I always would, uh, I would wake up in the morning, and that was my Bible time. You know, it used, be, it used to be I would wake up at like 5.30, go downstairs by myself away from, you know, all the craziness, and just be by myself in a room and just read my Bible. And every time I opened up the Word, the thought that ran through my head was like, this is the best part of your day, reading God's Word. Um, but one of the best things I ever did, because it got to be, it was pretty good for a while, but once I had kids, I noticed that uh, you know I would wake up when my wife woke up because the kids woke us all up, and you know they'd be running around jumping on the bed and this and that, and I'd have to like shoo them out so I could read the Bible in the bedroom, and you know my wife's trying to help them get, get dressed and brush her teeth and this and that, and I said, one day I just said, wait a minute. Why am I reading the Bible by myself when I got a whole family? So this is what I did. Every morning at breakfast, we sit down, we eat breakfast. I bring the Bible right to the table, put it down open up a chapter, and we read a chapter. And you know what, my kids? My kids are almost two years old and four. You know what happens when I finish the chapter? They say, more, Dad, more, more. (laughs) It's such a blessing. But you know what, it's, I'm taking the reading that I was going to do on my own anyway, and now I'm bringing other people into it. And they can read the word with me. They can hear God's word. Listen, this this is nourishment for you. Your spirit's not meant to live on bread alone. We're meant to live on every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That means you need to be in this book. Whether you're reading it by yourself, whether you're listening to it, whatever you're doing, you need to be exposed to God's word. And my kids are too young to read the Bible on their own, but you better believe I can read it to them. And at least I know they're getting some Bible in their life every single day. You know, We went, we went through the entire book of Psalms. It took a while. <laughs> went through the whole book of Psalms. Um, I remember the morning I had, to eat, uh, I had to read Psalm 119, you know, the longest chapter in the whole Bible. I, I, I purposely will read the Bible and then I'll eat my breakfast after I'm done. So that day, by the, by the time I finished the chapter, everybody was already pretty much gone. They had already finished their food and they were ready to go. And I was just, you know, finally finished and ready to get started eating. But I would challenge you to think about your Bible reading every day and think about how, how can you bring someone else into it? You know, maybe there's a loved one Maybe there's a loved one that doesn't have access or doesn't have a good way to to be able to read on their own. Maybe you can call them, use your phone, or go on FaceTime or something. Maybe you can read them some scripture. Maybe that would be a blessing to them. Maybe there's someone you're thinking of right now that God's trying to put it on your heart. Maybe you should read the Bible to this person. Maybe that's the only way that they're going to do it. You know, it's hard for a lot of people to pick up the Bible every single day and read it. You got to be disciplined and you got to be faithful. We are the faithful ones here tonight in a Wednesday night church service. Amen. These pews, if you're in this pew here tonight, you are faithful. I don't mean to pat yourself on the back, but you're, you're faithful. You're here tonight regardless. You know, you're here on Sunday. You're probably here on Monday or Tuesday as well. You're faithful. But different people in the church and different believers are in different walks of life. And those younger believers may need to lean on your faith. It may be your faith that helps to grow them. Because for my son, let's say he's four. He can't pick up the Bible on his own and just read it. He needs to grow his faith through me. He's got to look at me and and follow my example. So what we do, what we do absolutely matters. But consider that. Consider who you might be able to bring your Bible reading to, and it could become their Bible reading as well. And finally, you know what else this doesn't say in Ecclesiastes 3? It doesn't say there's a time to go to church and a time not to go to church. It doesn't say that. Three things God wants you to always do. Pray, read your Bible, go to church. Those three things, I promise you, if you make a good habit of doing those three things, you watch how your life is gonna be blessed. I can tell you since I started doing those things, my life has become so much more blessed than it was before I did those things. I never used to witness to people. Even though I've been saved most of my life, I never used to witness to people, why? I think I was trying to hide the light. I think I was trying to hide it in, hide it inside of me and not let it out. And I also think that I wasn't in the will of God because I wasn't doing what his commandments would tell me to do. So because of that, he let me just run run around in the world and do all these things. I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. But if God's got a hold of your life, God's got a plan for your life. God had a plan for your life before he saved you, right? Amen. That means God has a plan for your life after he saves you. Why would God have a plan for your life to get saved and then just say, okay, you got it from here. No, God doesn't work like that. God's gonna be with you every step of the way for all of eternity. It doesn't even stop when you pass away. It keeps going into heaven. Like the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna walk side by side with you. That's how special that is. It's tremendously special. But as I read Ecclesiastes 3 here and all these times and all these things that Solomon is talking about, it's clear that there's seasons in our lives, okay? There's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs. There's gonna be good times, there's gonna be bad times. Why does Solomon point all these things out? Why is this in God's word? God wants you to be prepared. God wants you to be prepared. Your life is not gonna be some magical existence where the same, the same day repeats itself like ground, have you seen that movie Groundhog Day? <laughs> you know how he lives the same day over and over again? Supposedly, it happens for like hundreds of years if, if you read the, the behind the scenes stuff. But the point is, God's not gonna set up your life to where there's no like emotions or up and down. Your life is gonna be chock full of events that maybe you're excited for and looking forward to, a time to dance and a time to rejoice and maybe other times that you're not looking forward to, a time to be sad, a time to mourn, a time to grieve. And regardless of where you're at, you need to learn how to walk with your Savior closer no matter what. You can't just be close to God when everything's good and then ditch him when times are hard. Conversely, you can't run from God when things are good and then only seek him when times are rough. Believe me, God's going to see right through that. If you only come to church when your life is in shambles and you're begging God to put it back together, God is going to tell you the same message every single time. If you would just be faithful to me, if you would just walk with me, if you would just do what I ask you to do, instead of being a fair weather Christian, your life wouldn't be like this. It wouldn't. God has a plan for your life. Um, I wanna talk about a time for blessings because if we think about all the seasons of life, maybe the most exciting seasons are the ones where we feel like we're being blessed, right? Um, Does everyone remember (laughs) COVID-19? feels like a distant memory, right? Like, I see, I, I put my mask on the other day because I was in this basement doing an inspection and it was uh, not a good basement to be in. And so I'm glad I had my mask. But uh, COVID 19, I've told my wife this a few times and she doesn't like when I say this, but I turn to her and I say, you know what? You know what we're going to remember, honey? We're going to remember 2019 is like the last good year <laughs> that ever was. Because once you hit 2020 and COVID happened, like, you know, stuff's not the same even still. Like, it's more the same today. It's more like it used to be before the pandemic, but it's still not the same. You know how I know it's not the same? I, look, I looked up prices of cars. I'm like, well, <laughs> forget it. I, I can't buy a new car. What do you mean it's $50,000 for a minivan? Like, I thought they were half that much. When did that happen? Don't even get me started about like, house prices and this and that. But COVID-19 like, just turned everything upside down. And it turned my whole life upside down. At the time, I had been working at a car dealership for about eight years, and I had made it as a, as a salesperson in the beginning, and I'd been promoted to a, a finance manager and a sales manager and a sales director, and I mean, unless I joined the family, I, I couldn't go any higher than I was, amen? I mean, times were good, but then the pandemic happened. And even though I might say like times were good, God has blessed me so much through the last four years that I realized that my life is way better now than it was back then. You know what I was doing four years ago? I mean, this is like right when I joined the church, right when I started coming here to Gospel Light in like 2017, 2018. Um, I was stressed out. My hairs were turning gray. I mean, they still are a little bit, but I was beyond stressed. Uh, I was wrangling all these salespeople, dealing with all their problems. And you know what I was turning to? I was turning to worldly methods to cope. You know, I'm not ashamed to say that because that's the truth. I can't be ashamed of what I've been through. You know, there would be days where it wasn't just like a weekend. It'd be like a Tuesday night. You know, I get home from work. After working 13 hours, I go to the fridge and I grab something to help, me, help myself relax on the couch. Um, I'm not proud of that. You know, there's no reason I should ever be proud of that. But you know what I'm proud of? I'm proud that in four years, I haven't touched it. I'm proud that in 4 years God delivered me from it. And I don't even miss it. Because the peace that I have now is a peace I didn't have back then. Listen, it, a bottle is not going to take away your stress. <laughs> it's it's just not. It's is it going to make you feel warm and fuzzy for an hour? Yeah, I guess. Unless until it doesn't work anymore. That, that's how people fall into that, you know, hook line and sinker. But after the pan, when the pandemic started, you know what it gave me the courage to do? It gave me the courage to leave my job at the car dealership. And I think of all the blessings I would have missed out on if I had never left. Because listen, when people get into like the car dealership industry, they stay in it for life. When they get upset with one dealership, they just quit and they go to another car dealership and they just keep doing the same thing. I had a salesperson who came back three times. He worked for me, he quit. He would go work at Toyota or Honda, somewhere else, Nissan, come back again work for us for six months, get fed up and quit. I don't know why they kept taking him back. <laughs> he would go somewhere else, go to Kia or, or you know, Lexus, whatever. He came back a third time. You know, I, I had to ask the GM, I, I didn't ask, him. I should have asked him. I should have said, why, why do you keep hiring this guy? He's just gonna quit again. It's an interesting world. But anyway, um, my life got turned around in the pandemic because financially uh, I had to figure out how to run my family on like half the income you know? Now, I'm a spreadsheet guy. Maybe some of you are into, into math and budgeting. You know, every family, every marriage has, has the budgeter, <laughs> the person who does the finances, the person who's like, okay, we got these amount, this much for bills, this much for savings, this much for food. Uh, no, you can't buy a TV. <laughs> every, every spouse or every marriage has that person. Well, in my family, that's me, it's actually kind of a combination. My wife handles some of, the, some of it, I handle some of it, but um, I run the spreadsheet. So I look at my budget like a year in advance. I mean, it's crazy. Like I have my expenses tracked out until the end of 2023 into 2024 and during the pandemic, it got to a point where I was forced to look at how much I was making and how much my expenses were and say, we got like six months Like I I don't, don't, you know, my wife stays at home with the kids and I believe that that's the right thing for her to do. You know, if she were to take a job, now we gotta pay for childcare, which costs more expensive than a job anyway. So she stays home with the kids, but I had to say like, God, like you gotta make this work. And during the pandemic, I started tithing. It used to be when I came to church, I would just give 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. It's, It's easy to give 20 bucks on a Sunday. It's harder to give 10% of your whole paycheck before taxes. I don't know if you're supposed to do it before taxes or after taxes. I, don't, I just do it before taxes because I, I wanna be sure. <laughs> I wanna be sure I'm giving God 10%. Listen, three years have gone by. I had a full-time job come and go. I had another full-time job come and go. I had a year where I was working part-time only. And the bills have been paid. I've never been late, not even once. There were weeks where I went to tithe online and I put in an extra zero and I hit send and you can't take it back. (laughs) It just goes. And I looked at it kind of stunned as I did it and I said, I'm too scared to ask God for the money back. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to do it. And you know what? Every single time I've been faced with like a deadline, like we're going to be, we're not going to be able to pay the mortgage this month in advance, God has always provided. This past March, I landed on a new job. I work from home, like full-time from home. I've never had that before in my life. You know why that's such a blessing? I can help with the kids. I don't have to be in some building dealing with crazy salespeople eight to 12 hours a day. You know, I can work at home on my own schedule. In June, they gave me a promotion. Why did they give me a promotion? Because the, the bills were due again and we needed more money and God said, he needs a promotion. I called them and I said, hey, can I do something extra for you? They made a brand new position for me. This company is in Connecticut. Like I've never even stepped foot inside their doors, but they hired me. They made a brand new position for me, a salary position. I still get to work from home. And now they're paying me a salary to do a job that honestly takes me about 15 hours a week, which means I can focus on other things. I started my own business. I don't know where that came from. God put it on my heart to start a business. So I started a business last week. I had, to, I had to stop the phone calls because I was getting too many phone calls. Like I'm telling you, if you put God first, I don't mean second, I don't mean third, I don't mean fourth, I don't mean in the closet. I mean, if you put God first, if you hold him to his word, watch what he'll do. You know, the blessings of God are not based on our performance. You know what they're based on? They're based on God's promise. The blessings of God are not based on our performance. The blessings of God are based on his promises. God makes a lot of promises in this book. He means to keep them. And he absolutely will keep them. But you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to believe that he's gonna be faithful and do it. It's one thing to read it in God's word. It's another thing to believe it in your heart that it's gonna happen. That's a faith that I've been able to develop and God has instilled in me during the pandemic. So when it comes to work and bills, sometimes I just laugh. <laughs> I just laugh and I just say, well, that's God's problem. Because if I'm, if I'm tithing at church, he has to take care of it. That's his promise to me. I can't make him do it. But you know what? He wants to prove himself true and faithful. And so when I hold him to his promise in Malachi 3.10, I know he's going to do it. And the minute I start doubting is the minute that I'm going to fall apart. It's kind of like surfing with your eyes closed. You're just letting you're letting God be your guide, right? We're walking by faith, not by sight. That is a scary thing, but it's not scary if you have faith. If you have ironclad faith in the Lord, tell me, what can scare you? Nothing. What should you be afraid of? If God be for us, who can be against us. Amen. And if God before us, what can be against us? Right. If you have God on your side, everything in this world doesn't even compare to God. So we shouldn't be afraid. This chapter here in Ecclesiastes doesn't say there's a time to, to be afraid. It doesn't say that there's a time to cower. You know why? Because we never should. If you're saved today, if your salvation is in the perfect, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ if self, if your faith is based on knowing what he did for you on the cross there's no reason you should have any doubt there's no reason you should be afraid because the Lord of this universe God himself in the flesh when he was crucified gave his life to pay the penalty for your sins that means they're paid they don't ever come back There's no debt collectors that come looking for your sin once you get saved. Amen? There's no no collection calls that are going to bother you. There's no threatening mail that comes your way. No. Paid, past, present, and future, gone, forgiven. Your account is closed. You owe nothing. Paid in full on the cross. It's the best blessing that any of us could ever receive. And so I think there's a time for us to be thankful for the blessings of God. You know what else there's a time for? There's a time for justice. Um, it's hard for me to share the, the story I'm about to share, but I, I think it's relevant and I want to share it. Uh, when I was just out of high school, one of my best friends and I, um, we, uh, we ended up getting an apartment together. We were roommates, um, just working, you know, out of school, out of high school, figuring out what we were going to do with our lives. And uh, for, for a long time, our lives were very, very close. You know, we hung out every day. We were best friends, as could be. Um, spent a lot of time together. But there was a point There was a point where things came to a head. You see, I got, I got saved when I was young, when I was seven years old. My mom led me to Christ and I accepted Christ as my savior. And he protected me <laughs> through my youth. But my friend wasn't saved. And when you have a roommate and you're young and you're single, you, get, you have a lot of time to talk about God. You have a lot of time to talk about the way life is. And you have a lot of time to, to witness to people. So me and some of my friends who were also saved, we would talk to my roommate all the time. We would tell him, like, look, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the answer. You know, whatever else you're looking for that you're not gonna find any substance to, God's the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Look to him. And he was so close to getting saved. I mean, we tried for months, for years, to get him saved. And what he did, my roommate, he would get close, He would go to church, he would listen to the messages, he would go online at home, he would do his own research. He would meet with the pastor after church, he would ask the pastor questions. He could not bring himself to repent and put his faith in Christ. And after he ultimately rejected that, he went the other way. Um, One day I came home from work and he was reading a book he had bought online, it was uh, uh, Richard Dawkins. You know who Richard Dawkins is? He's a, an atheist, and he wrote a whole lot of, lot of books. He's a really famous atheist. Um, but he was reading this book because in, somehow in his mind, if, if Jesus Christ wasn't the truth, then he was gonna find it somewhere else, or he was gonna prove why it wasn't the truth. So he took all the fiber of his being, and instead of just giving his life to Christ as we asked him to do, he decided to go the other way. He decided to devote his life to studying atheism and proving that God wasn't real. That's what he wanted to do. Well, things got worse for him. Uh, Little by little, he descended into things that we're really powerless against. Um, Started small, you know, small habits, small addictions here and there, and they got worse. Um, His father, my roommate, I hadn't seen him in a few years. Um, I moved here to Philadelphia in 2010, and so I hadn't seen him in a while. We got news from his father uh, during the pandemic. Um, Out in Seattle, where I'm from, there was a a fire in a homeless encampment along along the freeway. There was a fire in a homeless encampment and my roommate burned to death in a fire. He spent years on the street, a decade on the street, not seeking Christ, seeking addictions for his body. Seeking drugs, seeking nonsense. Where did it get him? I, I would love to think that somehow, somewhere along the way, he accepted Christ, but I, I don't have any peace that that's true. I think he devoted his life to rejecting Christ. And the sad thing is, if you reject Christ, and you make it your life's mission to put a, push away Jesus Christ, eventually God's going to let you do it. That's maybe a scary thing, but that's that's God giving you the choice. You know, we talked about black and white. Well, salvation's kind of black and white. Either I'm accepting Christ to forgive me of all my sins, or I'm going to reject Him. What's the alternative? If you don't accept Him, by default, you do reject Him. And I I wish, I wish we had gotten to my my roommate more. Somehow, some way, I wish we had led him to the Lord. But I think he was determined to not give anyone a chance. And I think he made it his life to to go down that path. And so when I say that there's a time for justice, as this chapter says, there's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. Life is not always going to be warm and fuzzy. Sometimes life's going to be cold, nasty, and unfair, or it will seem. But you know what? God is with you either way. He's with you when it's good. He's with you when it's bad. He wants you to lean on him at all times. Let's talk about another kind of time. There's a time for forgiveness. There's a time for forgiveness. Um, Have you ever moved out from home? Moved out? I mean, I, I gather all of us have moved out, right? Like eventually your parents, either they push you out or you say, Okay, bye-bye, Mom, bye-bye, Dad, or whoever. Like, I'm going to go out on my own now. I'm going to make it. Well, you know what one of the hardest things to do is? To come back with your head between your, your legs and your tail between your legs saying, uh, can I crash here for a while? <laughs> Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I don't have any money, Dad. Oh, could you buy me food too? And can you help me with my laundry? Um, the first time I moved out, uh, I think about six, 12 months later, I was moving back in. But as a young person, like that's not uncommon, you know. We, we've all been there. Um, but there's something about the love of, of a parent, and I, I hope I can have this for my kids because I've seen, I've seen parents out there in the world that are not saved people, that they say to their kids, like, "Listen, when you're 18, you're cut off. I'll give you five thousand bucks to help help get your car, and then you're you're gone. You can't come back." I'm like, what, what kind of love is that? Doesn't feel like love. Is that cultural in this country? I'm not sure. But I I think in the livelihood of saved believers and the livelihood of Christians, that love should be demonstrated a lot stronger. In other words, if your son or daughter is coming back to you needing help, you should drop everything to help them. And as a parent, I think that you would. You know, I don't care how old they are. Um, And you know what, my dad never turned me away. Took me back with open arms. You know, the first time I tried to make it on my own, I couldn't. I was 18 years old. Um, I applied for a credit card. Good idea, bad idea. Probably a bad idea. Well, uh, the company gave me, they approved me for a credit card. And they said, here's your limit. As an 18-year-old with no credit, they gave me a $10,000 limit. I said, oh, okay. You don't even know what that means. I'm like, what what can I do with $10,000? You start getting all these horrible ideas because the credit card companies want to just, you know, get you and then bring all the interest they can out of you. Well, anyway, I, you know, I got myself into debt, messed up a lot, and had to come back home. But my dad never rejected me, and he never pushed me away, and he never told me he was disappointed. All he did was give me a place to stay, let me stay in my room again. He gave me the time, and even though he didn't necessarily like, lecture me on like, <laughs> how to financially take care of myself, you know what I think he was doing the whole time? I think my dad was praying for me. I think my dad was instant in prayer, day and night, praying for me to, to make better choices. And I just look at my life now. Like, I moved here in 2010 from Seattle. I had $300 in my bank account. I moved here, I didn't have a job. I had a car, I sold my Xbox for gas money. It was enough gas money to make it here, to Philadelphia. And I started with nothing. Where am I at today? i got a house with four bedrooms i got a car it's not paid off but i'm getting close <laughs> amen i got a wife she's saved a believer i got a son he just accepted christ i got a daughter she's about to be two i mean like i'm up here preaching like how does god make this happen i can't even though i lived it even though i've been through it like i still can't fathom How God connected the dots for me in my life. But God forgave me because when I got saved when I was seven, all that time after I was seven, I never had a stable church life. I never read the Bible. I didn't have a stable prayer life. But you better believe God was looking for me. God had a plan. You know how I told you I had to get out of that car dealership? You know who used to work for me at that car dealership? You might know him, Brother Justin Brock. Brother Justin Brock, I remember the first time I went to a church function at uh, one of the state parks, I think it was Tyler State Park. I was trying to get on top of the roof of one of these pavilions to do this like pose for Instagram because I was really into social media at the time. And I was trying to vault myself up onto this roof and I remember that the, the young people were cheering, Justin's boss, Justin's boss. They didn't even know my name. They just knew I was Justin's boss. But Justin Brock ended up working for me at the car dealership. And he knew I was saved, and he knew I wasn't going to church. So you know what he did? It was like week in, week out. Hey, why don't you come to church? Hey, you know what? You should go to church. I want to invite you to church. He invited me so many times. I don't even remember how many times. It might have been 20. It might have been 30. It might have been more. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't give up. Because God put it on his heart that he needed to get me back to church. And since I stepped foot in these doors and started coming here, I don't think I've missed a Sunday except I was, like, out of the state or something or my son or daughter was born. I've been here in church every Sunday. During the pandemic, we started doing the live stream and the sound booth and this and that. I've been here every Wednesday. We started doing the Bible Institute. I've been here every Monday. <laughs> like, I, when I say putting God first, it's not just tithing. Like, I'm putting God first with my schedule because whatever the church, whatever Pastor Phil asks me to do, I don't even think about it. I just say, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. What, what am I going to say, no? I'm too scared to say no to God. I'm too scared to say, no, God, that's not as important as what I want to do. I don't know about you, I, I'm too scared to do that, because I spent my whole life doing that, and it got me nowhere. Dead broke, no, no family, hardly any friends, moving across the country to just start over, because <laughs> like, you think, well, what does it matter? I'm broke here, I might as well be broke anywhere, what's the difference? But God used it for a blessing, He used it for forgiveness and he gave me a way, he gave me a way to come out of that season of my life and come into a better one. And as I've put God more and more into my finances and into my schedule, he's shown himself to be true to all of his promises in this book. And so what's exciting for me is not where I'm at right now, what's exciting for me is knowing where's God gonna take me? Three months ago, I asked Pastor Phil, I said, Pastor, um, there's this conference for inspections up in Bloomsburg and I I think I'd like to go, but I'd have to take a Wednesday off and I don't feel right about it. You know what Pastor Phil said? Pastor Phil said, go. It's for work, it's for your education, go. Go, go do it. He didn't even hesitate. And so I went, went to this conference for a few days, learned some new skills, got some new training, came back home and started my own business. I never thought I'd be a business owner. I don't even think my dad, if he's listening tonight, I don't even think he knows that I started a business. Well, I was in Vineland, New Jersey doing a property inspection last week for my own company. Like the phone rang out of the blue and these guys needed a property inspected. And I was able to just go go do this thing, this business that I just started. God has enabled me to build it and it's starting to take off. And four months ago, it wasn't even on my radar. So like the speed at which God can work is amazing. And we can't, We can't try to look ahead. Sometimes if we're in the valley, we wanna watch the path, we wanna see where God's gonna take us and we wanna look to the next mountain and say, God, I know you're gonna bring me to another mountain, but how are you gonna get me there? And we want God to show us the path. God doesn't like to do that. I don't think God likes to do that. Maybe little glimpses here and there, but God doesn't want you to keep your head down the road. God wants you to keep your, your head down here on your feet because God wants you to be walking step by step with him. And when I'm walking step-by-step with God, I'm not worried about where I'm going or what the path looks like because I'm only focused on the fact that my Savior is right here beside me. If I'm walking hand-in-hand with Jesus Christ, how can I fall? I can't. (laughs) It's impossible. Now, I can let go of his hand, and I can make stumble on my own and fall into a pit. Believe me, I've been there, done that. But if you're honestly putting God first and your mission in life is to uphold the will and the commandment of Jesus Christ, how can you fall? When God is the one holding you up, there's nothing better that could ever hold you up. You have the best there is. There's no one better than God. So if God is helping you, you literally have everything. Turn to Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 5. So I love Ecclesiastes. I wish I could have dove a little bit more into it, but I want to close out with Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. You know, this message is called a time to be redeemed. And there's one thing that's very much true. Every single human being needs a Savior. And the name of that Savior is Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be absolved of your sins. There is no other way to make it to heaven. There is no other way to, quote, unquote, be a good person. It's a bunch of nonsense. Jesus Christ is the best person that ever lived, and he lives today in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. Why would you try to emulate what he did as if you could do it as good? Put your faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ and put it nowhere else, because nothing will save you other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks." For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Amen. I'm going to stop it there. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. When I hear that voice, that that verse, when I hear God telling me that verse, what I think about, when I think about the days being evil... I think about the worst part of Philadelphia and how how bad it is. Um, This inspection I did in Mount Airy, uh, the guy who was selling the property told me a story about how he watched someone get murdered across the street. I'm like, this is two miles from my house. I don't want to hear about that. But listen, this world is evil. and This world is wicked. And the hearts of men and women out there are not good. If your heart is not for Jesus Christ, you are deceived by the devil And you are a tool for this world and the devil to use you for whatever they want you to do. The only way to be free from that is to put your faith in Christ and become born again. But we need to redeem the time because God has us here for a purpose. I talked about that. Your choice, the biggest thing you have to choose now that you're a born again believer, the biggest thing you have to choose now, you've already chosen to be saved. You've already put your faith in Christ, amen. That's the biggest, most important thing that matters. What you need to decide now is what are you going to do with your time? Are you going to redeem your time? Or are you going to squander it? And that's your choice. Your choice is either to spend your life, your remaining years, either for God to the fullest, doing the will of the Father, doing the will of Jesus Christ, or doing the opposite. Because if you're not putting Christ's will as your first goal in life, if you're not putting him first, then you're not putting him first. You're putting him somewhere else. And anywhere else that you put him means you're following something that's not the Lord. There may be days in your Christian walk where you feel like you are in the will of God and days where you're stumbling and falling. I I feel that way week to week. But you know what? I know where to get help. And I know when to ask for help. And I know when I should pray. And year by year, I think I've gotten a little bit better at stopping myself from going the wrong way and just clinging to the Lord. <laughs> when all else seems like it's like like it feels like there's a tornado about to blow away the house, just clinging to the Lord and saying like Lord, you can make the waters calm in an instant just with the sound of your voice. You can bring me through whatever's going on in my life, whether it's emotional, whether it's my marriage, whether it's finances, whether it's work stuff, whatever. God can bring me through it and I know he can. We need to learn to lean on our savior and we need to learn that we should spend our time redeeming it to serve him. Because if you spend your time serving God, the more time in this life you spend serving God, the less regrets you're gonna have when you see the Lord face to face. When you see the Lord face to face, we're all gonna be overcome with a lot of emotions. I would like to think that even though if I didn't do my best every single day, Hey, I, I, I tried I tried so hard to serve God as I could. And I tried so hard to put him first and never say no. And maybe I, that wasn't for my whole life, but I'd like, I'd like my days right before I meet the Lord to be my best days for the Lord. And I would like to increase my faith and my testimony as I move forward. I don't wanna go from this position I'm in right now and go backwards and backslide and make it to heaven one day. And Jesus Christ says, You were doing so good, and then you just, you fell away. What happened? Does anybody really want to hear that? You know what I want to hear? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of the Lord. That's what I want to hear. And if we devote our time to serving God, I promise you, we can hear it. Let's pray. Lord, please help us tonight. Help us in this life, Lord. It's it's not easy to be um, a follower of you, Lord. This world would try to beat us up and tear us down. Uh, but Father, we know that you're perfect. We know that you gave your life on Calvary. We know that you rose again from the dead. We know that you are Lord, and we put our faith in that. Please bless each and every one of us here, Lord. Uh, bless us that are listening tonight. Bless us, Lord, and our families, too. Help us to reach loved ones, strangers, co-workers, sons and daughters, parents, grandparents, whoever, Lord. Help us to reach people for you, and help us to do something well with our time, Lord. You've given us a blessing of time, Lord, and uh, I just pray that we can find ways to Stay in your will. Please reveal your will to us and help us to redeem the, the time, Lord, that we can spend it for you and not in any other way. Uh, we pray tonight and we lift up these things to you, Lord. Thank you for your message and thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, As the piano plays, if uh, we're gonna wrap up tonight. If you wanna come down and pray, just uh, come down and pray real quick to God. Um, thank him for being your Lord. Thank him for being your savior. Thank him for making a way for us to be born again. And just tell him that you love him. You can't go wrong telling the Lord that you love him. Amen. All right, everyone, let's uh, let's close out in prayer and then uh, we'll conclude tonight's service. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, the service tonight. Thank you for the singing and for the hymns and for the prayers and for the message. Uh, thank you for the blessing that you are to all of us, Lord. Uh, we pray for Pastor Phil. We pray that he would heal and uh, get the rest that he needs. Help him to come back strong on Sunday, Lord. Uh, we, we love having him here and he's... Uh, Just uh, the person you've put in charge of this church, Lord, and he's rightfully here. So uh, please use us as members of the church, Lord, to be lights out there in the world, in Philadelphia, when it's so badly needed. Uh, Thank you, and please get us home safely, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone.